chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, there is uh, twice that Jesus asked a question, what do you want me to do? And so I ask you this question this morning as we begin looking into the Word of God this morning. What is it that you and I would like God to do for us? I think that's a valid question. We're here today. What's on your heart? What would you like God to do for you? Here's Here's the cool thing about it. I believe if you ask that question, I believe he's going to answer you. I don't know what that answer may look like, but I believe he will answer whatever's on our heart. God, what would you like to do? What would you, uh, we're asking Jesus, what would we like for him to do for us? Interesting about this story of uh, uh, Bartimaeus is that it is the last healing in the book of Mark. So we've gone through the book of Mark, and we've come to chapter 10. Remember how there's a transition time we're going, and especially as we look towards next week, chapter 11, when Jesus makes his triumph entrance into Jerusalem, riding that little colt in chapter 11. It's the dramatic entrance that he makes in Jerusalem. Jesus performed 34 miracles while he was here on the earth, and this miracle that we're going to look at today... Blind Bar- Bartimaeus is going to be healed, is number 30. So if you were looking at the healings that Jesus is going to do, he is coming at the end of his life, and there are only four more miracles of healing that he's going to do in his life uh, at this point in our story with, uh, in the book of Mark. So let's read Mark chapter 10 this morning in verse 46. And it says, And now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with the disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Now let's stop for a moment and get our bearings on the situation here. We go back to talking about the time factor. You remember how we talked about Jesus has left the Sea of Galilee, and he had, uh, had quite a ministry up there, and uh, he was sharing uh, who he was and, and uh, did a lot of good things. And then he takes a turn and heads toward Jerusalem. And when he makes that turn, it is about six months out until the cross. So he's coming down, and he comes down to the city of Jericho. Now, as Jesus is heading to the cross, and I want to say this. Real clear, because some people, when we look at the crucifixion of Jesus, that Jesus was forced on the cross. He was overpowered. He was, uh, was, was handled by, by soldiers and made to go to the cross. But my friend, the truth of the matter is, Jesus has set himself willingly to go to the cross. Look in the previous verses of the same chapter in verse 32. It says, now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was going before them. So they're going from this spot, they're going up to Jerusalem. Hang on to that phrase for just a moment. 
And it says, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the 12 aside again and began to tell them the things that happened to him. He's telling them again. He's told them once before. He's telling them again. He said, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed by the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him, scourge him, spit on him, and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. This was prophetic. Jesus was talking about himself. He said, this is, this is something that is getting ready to happen. And he's telling the disciples, we're going up to Jerusalem. And this is what's going to happen to the Son of Man, referring to himself. So I say again, Jesus was the sacrifice that was willing. This was the reason he came. This was his purpose being fulfilled that he would die on a cross for you and for me. Now let's talk about where they're at. Verse 46 again, and they came to Jericho. Jericho, interesting, is one of the world's oldest continuously occupied cities in the whole world. It is, it is a uh, a settlement that has been of all the cities in the world, Jericho. Is a, and so here's Jesus, and he mentions this before he goes in as we enter into the time that he goes to the cross. So he comes to Jericho, and, and Jericho is about 15 to 18 miles north of Jerusalem. The elevation of Jerusalem is about 2,600 feet, and uh, Jericho is is uh, uh, downhill from that, and it is an elevation 846 feet below sea level. Jericho is the lowest city in all the world. The highest city is, uh, I think it's in Peru, and it's like 16,000 feet. It's a mining, a mining town. But this is the lowest city. So, so Jesus is coming to this place of the lowest city in the world, and he's getting ready to move up from that and go to the cross, about 15 to 18 miles. Jesus is leaving the lowest and the oldest city in the world, Jericho, to travel up to the cross. This was the place that we find this story of blind Bartimaeus. Here's another point with this, a blind Bartimaeus, his condition. It's interesting that he's called Bartimaeus, which in the Greek means bar, means son. And so, and, he's, and it's like saying it twice. If you, if you were uh, hearing this or reading this in the Greek, it would be like saying, son of Bartimaeus, son of Bartimaeus. But Bartimaeus is mentioned, and the son of Bartimaeus is, is mentioned here. And then it has to do, something to do with, as, as remember, Mark was reading to a mixture of crowd of Greeks as well. And it's interesting to note, and I can't put uh, a link to it, but Timaeus was a Greek philosopher with contemporaries of Plato and Socrates, and so, and which was about 300 or so before Christ, B.C. And so here's Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, who is identified or has a name associated with this Greek philosopher. And I don't know if there is a relative link there. We, we can't find that. Uh, we can't be concrete about that. But it's interesting that his name is Timaeus after this Greek uh, philosopher. So Bartimaeus here, he, his, his name is, uh, means uh, a son of uh, Timaeus, which means son of honor. And, and in his position in life, he is blind. 
He has lived his life in total darkness. Now, in blindness in the Jewish culture meant that you had received a curse from God. Remember in John how that, you know, they asked about this blind man, did, his, did, did he sin or did his parents sin? How, you know, how come he's blind? And they associated blindness with being a curse from God. And so in the culture this day, Bartimaeus lived his life as he was cursed from God. That'd be terrible. How would you like to say, you know, hey, Jim, hey, Jim, boy, I'm sorry, man. Uh, you got white hair. That means you're a curse from God. You know, live through life, being cursed from God. This was Bartimaeus. This is the way he lived his life. Some prominent people who have lived in total darkness, including Helen Keller, Ray Charles, and Fanny Crosby, and Steve Wall, they have worked through this and done powerful, wonderful things. There's also a guy named Charles Boswell. He lost his sight rescuing a friend from a burning tank in World War II, and after war, he took up golf. This guy is blind, and he takes up golf. Through their determination and deep love for the game, he became the national blind golf champion. He won that honor 13 times, and one of his heroes was the great golfer Ben Hogan. So it was truly an honor for Charlie to win the Bill Ho Ben Hogan Award in 1958. Upon meeting Ben Hogan, Charlie was awestruck and, and stated that he had one wish, and it was to have one round golf with the great Ben Hogan. Mr. Hogan agreed that playing around together would be an honor for him as well, as he had heard about all of Charlie's accomplishments and truly admired his skills. Would you like to play for money, Mr. Hogan, blurted out Charlie? I can't play you for money, it wouldn't be fair, said Mr. Hogan. Oh, come on, Mr. Hogan, $1,000 per hole. I can't. What would people think of me taking advantage of you and your circumstance? Replied the sighted golfer. Chicken, Mr. Hogan? Okay, blurted a frustration Hogan, but I'm going to play my best. I wouldn't expect anything else, said the confident Boswell. You're on, Mr. Boswell. You name the time and place. And very self-assured, Boswell responded, 11 o'clock tonight. <laughs> Bartimaeus lived in total darkness. I don't think you and I can ever relate to that. There are two types of blindness in the world. There's a physical blindness, and there's a spiritual blindness. The underlying story is really about spiritual blindness. People who are physically blind live in darkness, yet from the time of Adam and Eve, all humans, from the moment they're born, also walk in darkness, spiritually blind. We may not know what physical blindness, but every one of us knows what spiritual blindness is. We're all born spiritually blind until a loving Savior passes by and we call out to him and he saves us and gives spiritual eyes that we may see God. Perhaps there is one among us who is like the blind Bartimaeus, walking in darkness, spiritually blind. And Jesus wants to heal 
each one of us of our spiritual blindness. Not only Bartimaeus was blind, but he was a beggar. He was a beggar because of his blindness, his poor. Every day he sat by the roadside, hopeful to get enough to live on, hoping that someone would have pity on him. He couldn't see. He couldn't see. And he totally relied on the kindness and the favor of others taking pity upon him. But one day, though he couldn't see, he could hear. And he heard that Jesus was coming his way. And he believed Jesus could give him a sight even before he saw any proof. And here's the point of all this, this bringing and building up, this, this lowless, this darkness. Is Bartimaeus is the poster child to what length God will go to save a person. Jesus, at the place of the lowest city, the oldest city in the world still today, makes a point to gather his disciples and talk about the cross. And as he's leaving Jericho, he runs into blind Bartimaeus. He does something wonderful for Bartimaeus. As you think about Jericho, Jericho was, was a famous place in the Old Testament is where, where the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and they were going in the promised land and Joshua led them across the Jordan River and they marched around the, seven, the, the, the great walls of Jericho seven times and on the seventh day they marched around seven times at doing exactly what God told them to and the walls came down and they, they received the victory. It was the first battle as they were going across the Jordan and into the promised land. This is Jericho. Zacchaeus come to know Jesus Christ as a savior there, uh, the tax collector. Remember Rahab the harlot who, was the, who had the two spies and, and before the, uh, Jericho came, uh, Joshua came in and conquered Jericho. And he was there, the Rahab gave shelter to the two spies and she was saved. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and I believe it's 31, it says by faith, Rahab and her family were saved because of their faith in God. Jericho was a place where faith in God was demonstrated over and over again. And here we have another story of this. Let's read verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he's sitting beside the road and there comes a, a murmur and here comes a crowd and he hears that Jesus is coming and he cries out. He doesn't see him, but he hears the crowd coming and he understands that Jesus is coming by and he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Three points addressing Jesus. Jesus, what does Jesus mean? Jehovah's salvation. He is... He is saying, Jesus, salvation is coming. Number two, the son of Timaeus cries out to the son of David. And this, this title, son of David, connected with Jesus, was acknowledged that Jesus was the pro promised Messiah. He recognized that Jesus was the Messiah that they had heard about in the Old Testament. And somewhere, somehow, 
Bartimaeus learned this, that Jesus was the Messiah. And number three, addressing Jesus, he cried out, have mercy. Have mercy on me. This is, a, this is an important point because the blind man knew what he needed from Jesus. He needed mercy. If he could receive mercy, he could receive a whole lot of things, including his eyesight. The blind man knew what he needed from Jesus, mercy. He didn't come thinking that God owed him. He didn't come to God trying to impress him with his famous name or whatever accomplishment that he had, how good he was. All he wanted from Jesus was mercy. And my friend, this is a sweet spot with God. If you want to make a hit with God, you cry out in this humble condition, have mercy on me. C.S. Lewis put it this way, Christianity has no message for those who do not realize they are sinners. There is no forgiveness of sin for those who do not think they are guilty. Bartimaeus had faith in what God could do and not what he could do. And he cried out for mercy. Let's read verse 48 and 49. Then they moved, or excuse me, then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be call, called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be a good cheer, rise, he is calling you. Can, can you see what's happening here? He is coming along. Jesus is coming. And no doubt he is in the marginal of the group. He is in the outcast. He's on the fringe. Does it matter to Jesus? He's on that fringe, and, and here comes the, gr the group, the crowd, and they're talking about Jesus. Jesus is coming, and, and there he is. And the people says, as he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd comes and says, shh, quiet, making a scene here. And they try to quieten him. But what does he do? He, he, he brings it another notch. He doesn't quit. His consistent prayer got the attention of Jesus Christ. Bartimaeus' faith in God was persistent. This energetic nature of Bartimaeus' prayer is a good example of prayer. He wasn't discouraged because no one led him to Jesus. Those who told him to stay away did not discourage him. He kept on because he knew he needed mercy from Jesus, what Jesus could offer. I'm reminded of, you know, we're having our prayer meeting, you know, this Wednesday night. I pray and I hope that you can attend because it's something that's special. It happens through prayer. But it's a prayer that is is serious, it's fervent, it's persistent, it's faithful. Spurgeon said it this way, it says about persistent prayer, it says, takes the gates of heaven and shakes them with, with vehemence as though they would, would pull them up post and bar and all, stand at mercy's door and, and take no denial, knock, knock, and knock again. Could cold prayers never win God's ears? Draw thy bow with full strength if thou wouldst send thy arrows up so high as heaven. This is the kind of prayer that Bartimaeus had. 
if they would have told him to be quiet, he would have spoke out louder. And he kept on. And Jesus comes to him, and he stands still, and he commands him. He said, go to the blind man. You go to rise. Uh, he's calling you, said the crowd to him. They no doubt, maybe there was like this, this parting of, of the crowd, and there's Bartimaeus, and all of a sudden, the crowd parts, and, and then there's this connection between Bartimaeus and Jesus. I want you to notice in verse 15 what he does. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. He took his garment, and he cast it aside. There's something significant about that, because it says... I believe it in that culture is that the blind men and beggars wore certain clothes, coats to identify them. That people could recognize their needs. And what Bartimaeus was saying, he was saying, I'm leaving this behind because I'm coming to Jesus. Something's getting ready to change. Something's different here. And by faith, he did that. Had he received his blind his sight at that time? No. But he took that garment that identified him as a beggar, as a blind man, and he put it aside and came to Jesus. Bartimaeus' faith in God caused him to leave his past behind. And Jesus stood there amidst the crowd. He hears the cry of this beggar and stops in his tracks. Sometimes when we come to church, we come to God, we feel like we're an outcast. Sometimes people come, you know, and, and into church and, you know, maybe it's the first time and, and feel like, you know, like they're estranged, like they're in the, the margins. And, and then there's the, the people that are up front, you know, and they're praying and they're singing and they're talking about God. And, and then there's maybe you feel like Bartimaeus there, trying to get God's attention in your own way. Can I give you a secret here? Jesus' ears are in tune to hear the marginal persons. This is so true as Jesus walks among the crowds and he walks in his whole life. You remember the, the woman with the issue of blood? And as, as he walks into the crowd, this woman touches her. Nobody knows about it. But Jesus knows. He said, who touched me? And he heals this woman. She, she comes to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying that, you know, with all the voices that were, that were yelling, that were talking about things, above all that, Jesus heard Bartimaeus' cry. Knew all about Bartimaeus and calls him forward. Jesus' ears are in tune to hear the marginal. My friend, never think that you are not being heard by God because you may be in this position of life. You may not be like so-and-so. You may not be here, and you may, you know, don't ever, ever think that God can't hear you. It is those who have this uh, heart that is humble and maybe even broken that God listens to. Jesus will always hear the humble voice that cries out for mercy. Verse 51, so Jesus entered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? 
the blind man said to Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And, and that word it means a great master. It's a, the highest title. Mary mentions, only mentioned twice in the scripture, was Mary addressing Jesus. And it's calling him my great master. Mary was doing that to Jesus. In verse 52, then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received a sight and he followed Jesus. On Instead of going, he made Jesus his way. He said, no, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And it's rightly so because of what Christ had done for him. He was grateful and he followed Jesus. Bartimaeus' faith in God let him see Jesus. And my friend, when we place our faith in God, we receive our spiritual eyes that we may see Jesus. It was faith that was determined to reach Jesus. Bartimaeus' faith. He cried out all the more. A faith that ignores the opposing voices and says, no, I want to get God's attention. It was faith that knew who Jesus was. He was the son of David. He recognized the Messiah. It wasn't an ignorant faith. A faith in God knows some truth about God and believes in God. He, he had learned some things about God. And then what he had learned, he had said, yes, I hear what, uh, the knowledge of who God is, and I believe in what I'm hearing. And it was a faith that came humbly to Jesus. He said, have mercy on me. A faith that believes he is guilty, undeserving. A man was having his portrait painted by a successful artist. And when the portrait was finished, it was unveiled. And the man was most unhappy with the results. When he asked whether he liked it, he replied, I don't think it does me justice. To which the artist replied, Sir, it is not justice you need, but mercy. <laughs> and this is what we need when we come to God. We don't need to justify ourselves before God. Our performance, our, we need the mercy of God. And it was faith that humbly submitted to Jesus. Master, Lord, he called him. And it was faith that could tell Jesus what he needed, that I might receive my sight. Faith knew his needs and knew that he was helpless to fix the need. He knew Jesus could. And so he cried out to Jesus. I want to go back to verse 49. It says that Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. I want us to think about this. As the worship team comes up to get ready to sing, I want you to think about what is happening in this verse 49 once again. So understand the position of Jesus and the position of Bartimaeus. That he's there and Jesus calls him. Now, listen, get very clear. Jesus, who can see, 
and he sees Bartimaeus back there. And Bartimaeus is calling to him, and Jesus responds to him. And notice what Jesus does. Jesus says, well, you have him, have him come here. Now, this would be something that as we look at Jesus, how insensitive. The blind man can't see where Jesus is. It would be better for Jesus to go to the blind man. It seems that Jesus is being mean here. He is walking along. He hears the blind man. And he calls to him, rise, come here. Listen. Faith in God has more than words of a prayer. This is a very important point to you in your Christian walk. Anyone who is looking in the faith of God, faith has feet. James put it very clear, faith, there's, there's works with this faith. There, there's, there's action. Prayer has feet. Faith has action. I believe, so I act upon what I believe. That's faith in action. I believe that's what happened right here. When we say, Lord, I, I recognize you're the son of David. I pray and you have mercy on me. God, I want to help me. Help me to grow to be like the Lord Jesus. Help me to become. And God expects us. Listen, he expects us not just to have that faith, believing that God can make us grow, but he expects us to kick, pick up the Bible and start reading and learn about him, doesn't he? There is faith. There is action with our prayer. You can say, I need help in this area of my life. And we cry out to God, God, I need help with this, whatever it is. But also God expects us to cry out in prayer. And he expects us to go in, into the word and find out, well, what does it say about that area? How can I find help with that? God has answered our prayer through his word. And perhaps... And our growth, we pray in God, I want to grow, I want to be like Jesus. Perhaps it's a, being part of a small group. And you're growing in that group is, is, a, is a culture of growth, of spiritual growth. It's, if, the, if the blind man Bartimaeus would have just sat there and said, Son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, come, all right, come here. But he sits there and pray and pray, oh God, I want to be, I want to see, I want this to happen in my life. But he didn't. He got up and came to Jesus. And the Bible says, because Jesus says, because of your faith, pulling that garment off, believing and taking that step, he said, your faith has made you well. You can say, Lord, I need help in my marriage. God, I need help in my family. God, I need help in my work, my job. God, I need help. God expects us to get into his word. He expects us to have some action uh, with that as well. Not just prayer. Sometimes I feel like we're, we're, uh, we as Christians, we're sitting by the, the, the side of the road and waiting for the, the bus of deliverance to come and pick us up. When God wants us, he's already sent delivery. He's already given us answers. He wants us to come and 
and have some action towards our prayer, with our prayers, with our faith. Faith in God requires a step of action. That's a beautiful thing when, when we think of Bartimaeus coming to God and being delivered from blindness. He has his sight, and what does he do? He follows the Lord. What a wonderful thing that is. And this is the way we are in Christ Jesus. We have given our sight. We can see. We were blind, and we know what the past was, and we, we've taken it, and we put it aside, but now we can see Jesus, and we follow Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we're grateful for what you've done in our life. And if there be one among us who is like blind Bartimaeus, spiritually blind, doesn't understand what we're talking about, doesn't has a hard time of seeing and understanding the word of God, and, and, and it's just darkness. God, may today be the day that they open up their eyes, their spiritual eyes, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Today may be the day that they will take that first spiritual step, walking with Jesus, having that sight from you. God, if there be one among us who we're, we do have Jesus, and we know Jesus, that God, we, we're walking in darkness and we may pray, we may have these things that we, we say, and those things are important, but yet, God, you are a God that wants us to be evolved, and we, you want us to do our part as well. And so, God, help us to not just sit there in the position of blindness or position of, of, of blind Bartimaeus, but help us to come and follow your leadership in our life and if you ask us to go, if you ask us to read, if you ask us to pray, if you ask us to join, if you ask whatever it is, God, we're willing to do that and knowing that that will be a process in our growth and seeing you clear with those spiritual eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.